No, she moved back to complete her engineering internship. And uh, so we have been separate for the three of the first four months of our marriage. It's been a very bizarre summer. And uh, on that magical day back in April, Nathan decided to take two to three minutes of the 15 minutes we had allotted for him to speak a message and, you know, talk about Jesus and, you know, preach to non-believers. He decided two to three minutes was about the appropriate length of time to insult me while we were standing there before we gave our vows. Uh, Nathan called me a prisoner. He called me a war slave, among a few other things, ultimately kind of revolving around the fact that I had chosen to ignore the context of Ephesians 4, which is the passage that I have given him. So, Nathan, let's talk about context. Uh, Today we're looking at, as you can tell, the parable of the talents. It's in Matthew 25. It's pretty late in Matthew. And what preceded this parable is Jesus entering Jerusalem on a donkey, being challenged by the Sadducees, chief priests and Pharisees, and Jesus talking ultimately about the end times, about the end of the world. Jesus then tells the parable of the ten virgins and concludes with our focus parable today, the parable of the talents. In essence, what Jesus is doing is Jesus has been celebrated and is now preparing his disciples and those around him for what is to come, for his inevitable death and resurrection, and what is to come after Jesus leaves earth, what that looks like. So in Matthew 24, which is the path, the the chapter before what we're talking about today, Jesus talks about the day and the hour of his return being unknown. And he uses the exact example from the parable of the talents where he's talking about putting a servant in charge of something that the master owns. So Matthew 24 verses 44 to 51 reads like the following. So you also must be ready because the son of man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom the master has put in charge of the servants in his household to give them their food at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. Truly, I tell you, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But suppose that servant is wicked and says to himself, my master is staying away a long time, and then begins to beat the fellow servants and to eat and drink with drunkards. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and in an hour he is not aware of. He will cut him to pieces and assign him a place where hypocrites where, with the hypocrites, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Pretty severe punishment. How many of you in here have a sibling? I definitely do, okay? How many of you in here are the greatest child, the oldest sibling? Okay, wonderful. After reading the Old Testament, I'm a big fan of inheritances. I think we should continue that. Um, How many of you are the youngest child that could get away with anything? Okay, my younger brother, the big lug over there, Yes, believe it or not, that is my younger brother. Um, And how many of you are the forgotten, neglected, and abused middle child? Anyone in here? Yes, so sorry for all of you. You have it so hard. Um, So my brother, Dallin, uh, the handsome gentleman over there, he was my best man at my wedding. Uh, From a lifetime of experiences with him, I have to say, I think fighting sometimes brings the best relationships. Um, My dad had a tradition of building us a hockey rink in the backyard. And my brother and I would often go out there and and play hockey. I was much better than my brother, obviously. Um, When my parents would both leave the house, my brother and I would go outside and we'd play a game of posts where you try to hit both posts on the crossbar and whoever does first wins. Um, And what usually started with a few ankle slashes, body checks into adjacent snowbanks, would often turn into a full-on cage rage. 
Um, if you don't know what a cage rage is, it's where you wear a hockey mask, you have the cage on front, you keep your hockey gloves on, and you can punch each other in the face as hard as you want, and it doesn't hurt. Or so I thought. Um, the other luxury of having a backyard rink was that we could hear the garage door opening, which meant that mom and dad were home. Um, and what usually followed with the garage door opening was me shushing my brother, telling him to stop crying, and reminding him that despite the last five haymakers that I had landed on his face, he was completely fine. The worst example of this was when I took about a 10-pound, four-foot-long piece of ice and dropped that on my brother's face. Um, he was not fine, and I was in a lot of trouble when mom and dad got home. Um, Dallin and I were often doing what our parents told us not to do when that garage door opened. The sound of the garage door often signaled to us the reminder that we hadn't yet emptied the dishwasher, vacuumed, or to stop beating each other up. Usually me beating Dallin up, of course. Um, that's changed, as you can see, he's now 6'4", and I'm terrified of him. This passage, as well as, you know, my relationship with my brother in Matthew 24, reminds us that we need to be ready at all times. However, what Matthew 24 does not do is it does not tell us what readiness looks like. That's where the parable of the talents comes in, and that is Nathan's context. Depending on the translation of the Bible you're reading, um, I read the NIV, usually, and the NIV starts with this word again. And this word again is referring to Matthew 24, saying, I've told you this story before, but here's a slightly different variation of it with a slightly different focus. So Matthew 25, the parable of the talents, in verse 14, starts like this. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one of them he gave five talents, to another he gave two, and to another one, each according to his ability. And then he went away. He who had received five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But the one who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing the five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents here. I have made five talents more. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had the two talents, came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents here. I have made two talents more. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He who had also received the one talent came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, have what is yours. But the master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents, for to everyone who has will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness in that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. In both Matthew 24 and 25, we start and end with the same scenarios. We start with the master leaving, the servant being put in charge of something. When the servant behaves, he's praised, 
and said good and faithful servant. When the servant misbehaves or disobeys, he is said that you will be sent to the place where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. In these times, I'm sure many of us know this, but a talent was not an ability, nor was it a gift. It was a sum of money. And there's a variety of different um, interpretations of this. Some contexts say that it was about $1,000 or $2,000. The more common one that I found was that a talent was about two years' wages. So, does anyone know what the average salary in Canada is? What the average amount of money that somebody would make? Does anyone know? Anyone want to take a guess? Someone take a guess. We can do this. Very close. $62,900 is the average salary in Canada. So, what that means? Servant who received one talent would have received a modern-day $125,800. No small sum of cash. Servant who received two talents got $251,600. Servant who received five talents, $629,000. I would happily take the place of any of these servants in this moment. That's a lot of money. Um, What's important additionally for us to know is that during these times, a master leaving and putting his servants in charge of the money was not uncommon. In fact, that was usually the best way that you could manage your money because the banks would give you so little in return. Um, So a few important notes can be drawn from just these sums of cash. Number one, the servants were not given equal amounts of money. And this related to the amount of trust or responsibility that they already had with the master. This uneven giving of resources needs to remind us of a fact that I think we need to hear more often, which is that life is not fair. We are not given all equal resources. We are not given all equal talents or equal expectations as well. We all have different responsibilities for furthering the kingdom. And this means we'll have different jobs to accomplish as well. Some of us will receive more, but for those people that do, the expectations are loftier. Um, The words of my favorite NFL running back ring true uh, in this moment here. Uh, This is from Marshawn Lynch. He says, so while y'all in it right now, take care of y'all's bodies, take care of y'all's chicken, take care of y'all's mental, because look, we ain't lasting that long. I had a couple players that I played with, they're no longer here, no more, they're no longer, so you feel me. Take care of y'all's mentals, y'all body, y'all chicken, so when y'all ready to walk away, y'all walk away, and you'll be able to do what y'all want to do. I'm not cool enough to read that ever. (laughs) Um, But there is some surprisingly rich biblical truth in that statement, and that is to take care of y'all chicken. Um, The next important thing that we're not told is the length of the journey that the owner would have taken. And I did a lot of research on this, and because it's a parable, there's no real finite answer for how long this master would have left. Most of the commentaries simply note that he would have left long enough that the servants would have expected that that money is now their own. They would have never had to give an account for that money. So whether you think that's 5, 10, 20 years, whatever, the master was gone for a significant portion of time. When the master returns, we have a few important things to note about his responses to the servants that were given both the two and five talents and doubled their total. Both of them received the exact same statement of praise. Well done, good and faithful servant. They were both given different amounts, but both received the exact same praise at the end of the day. Additionally, the other thing that is important and often missed in this statement is the promise of more responsibility is also given. 
You've been faithful over a few things. I will now make you rule over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. So there's praise, there's additional responsibility given, and there's an invitation. And those two are both invited to share in a joyful place with their master in the same way that we are invited to share in a joyful place with our Lord, our master in heaven. Um, I use a few adjectives to break it down and simply describe these couple of servants. And the three adjectives I came up with were they were prompt, they were active, and they were ready. If you notice, as we read through Matthew 25, it said that they immediately went and doubled their amount of money. I don't know how to immediately go and make $125,000, but if I knew how, I would do so. These servants were prompt, active, and ready. Now, we get to flip the script a bit. Enough of this joyful nonsense. Let's talk about the antagonist of the story, which was servant number one, given one talent. And I thought this perspective was interesting. Um, The master judged each of these servants individually. Jesus could have told this story and said, well, servants that were given five talents and two talents both received this. But Jesus was intentional in saying, servant that received five talents heard this. Servant that received two talents, there we go, we got it, also heard this and said the exact same thing twice. And there's intentionality behind that. The master judged each of these servants individually. If they were taken as a group, they were given eight talents and returned 15. That's pretty good. That's not bad. But each one was judged on their own personal faithfulness and effort. And so this quote from Spurgeon came out of it that I found. Uh, Remember, my hear, that in the day of judgment, thy account must be personal. Your encounter with the Lord when you get to heaven is personal. God will not ask what your church did. He will ask what you did yourself. What is your account? The servant responded to his master saying, Master, I knew you were a hard man reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, have what is yours. Notice there's a couple of things about this statement. A, there's no repentance. Or to avoid speaking in Christianese, there's no apology, remorse, or acceptance of blame. His knee-jerk response is to immediately say, yeah, but master, you're a hard man, so this is kind of your fault, not mine. Uh, Of the one-talent servant, there's another quote that came out, and it is this. It is the genius of the wicked men to lay the blame of their miscarriages upon others and oftentimes upon God. It is the genius of those who sin, those who disobey, those who are lazy, to blame God and others for their shortcomings. So, the master concludes by saying, you should have just given the money to the bank. I could have at least collected interest. And I was curious how much money that would be. So, I took uh, the best savings account possible from my bank, TD Canada Trust, and uh, I chose the account that benefited him the most. Um, TD offers a high interest savings account with a whopping 0.050% interest rate. This is their high interest savings account. Um, So another important thing here, this is sort of a makeup thing. We don't know how long the master went, so I said about five years. I said, ah, five years, 125,000, yeah, that's probably my money. If my mom gives me $125,000, doesn't ask for it in five years, it's probably my money. Just saying. (laughs) So here we go. 0.05% interest. $125,800 invested over five years. Servant number one would have made a whopping $314. That's it. First of all, that's pathetic. I am really tempted to withdraw all my money from TD. Um, 
But that's literally how little the master was asking from this servant. You literally couldn't go out and make $314, a pocket change with 125 grand. Really? So the master obviously responds in anger to this servant. What he says is, if you were actually afraid of me, since that was the statement you said was that you were scared of me, if you were actually afraid of me, wouldn't you have done anything to impress me? Wouldn't you have literally tried anything, even lost money to try and impress me? The master's words challenge exactly what the third servant said. And from this, I drew three more adjectives to describe the lazy servant or the bad servant, which was lazy, lethargic, and excusatory. Those are three words that I hope are never used to describe myself. Ultimately, there's two messages that the master responds with. The first is, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And the other response, the alternative, is you wicked and slothful servant. Um, I don't know about you. I don't ever want to hear you wicked and slothful servant. And the way the passage is written, it seems like it's impossible to hear that message and still get to heaven. It sounds like if you hear wicked and slothful servant, you are not going to heaven. There's an alternative for you. Um, what I want to challenge you with, I like offering really tangible challenges. So I have three different challenges for you. You can choose to do one, two, or all. I'm getting into teacher mood now that, you know, September is coming up. Um, the first challenge for you is I want you to write down three adjectives that describe your personal and current walk with Christ. That can be last week, that can be yesterday, that can be over the course of last year. I want you to write down only three adjectives that will describe your personal walk with Christ. And think about the words that I used to describe the two servants. One was active, prompt, ready, engaged. The other was lazy, lazy lethargic, and excusatory. Which camp do you fall into with those two? The second challenge that I have for you is one that you've probably been given if you ever attended a youth group before, and that is to make a list of what talents you have been given. I want you to quantify whether you are a person that has been given a lot or whether you have been a person that's been given very little. That's the first step. Have you been given a lot of skills, talents, gifts, maybe money to further the kingdom, or are you someone who's been given little to work with? Then I want you to identify what specifically those talents are. And you might want to look into spiritual gifts for that. Uh, it might help you on that endeavor. And what I want you to ask then is, how are you going to take care of y'all chicken now that you know what your talents are? The third, and this is arguably the hardest one to figure out and the most daunting challenge, so if you're feeling up for it, here it is. The question is, are you ready? And the follow-up question to that is, what does readiness look like in 2021? Um, if you were me and my brother and you heard the garage door opening, or if we were to take Revelation as literal, you hear the trumpets blaring, signaling that, hey, Jesus is coming back, what would you scramble to do? For my brother and I, it was scrambling to vacuum, do the dishwasher, stop fighting, get my brother to stop crying. What chores do you as a Christian have left on earth that are unfinished and that you need to do? Who would you race to tell about Jesus? And if you have somebody or something immediately in mind, odds are it's because you're being called or pulled that way in that direction. So again, those three challenges are what adjectives describe your current walk with Christ? What talents have you been given? And are you someone who's been given much or little? And are you ready?
Those are the three challenges that this parable offers to us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for all of the blessings you've bestowed upon us. Whether that be much, whether that be little, Father, we take each grain of sand that you've blessed this earth with um, and each little thing that you've blessed us with as a sign of your love to us. Father, allow us to extend that love beyond ourselves to those that need to see it, those that need to hear it, and those that need to be accompanied by it. We love you very much, Lord. We thank you so much that we have a place where we can worship and serve you and praise you, Father. Thank you so much for all that you've bestowed upon us. And uh, we ask that as we walk out into this next week, you'll show us how either unprepared or how prepared we are and what areas we need to take care of our chicken. We love you, God.